Let me ask you something. Do you have a group activity or an event with a focus on fatherhood? Well, guess what? I have a presentation that I call the Pursuit Formula. It's a simple tool that will help dads have relevant, long-lasting, and even fun relationships with their children. So if you'd like me to come and speak at your group activity or event, just email me, david at dadmatters.org. Again, that's david at dadmatters.org. I'll even throw in my top 10 favorite dad jokes. Mana 3 Media. Parents out there and friends everywhere, I'm David Wilkinson. I'm a dad of three, a husband, and a storyteller who's interested in talking to and learning from distinct parents. And whether the conversations are on my backyard deck, in my car, or on my kayak, welcome to Dad Matters. Welcome, parents, to another episode of Dad Matters. I am your dad caster of choice, David Wilkinson, and I am joined on this crisp early November episode with my daughter, Aubrey. Good morning, Aubrey. How are you? Good morning. You got your coffee in hand? Yes. You're ready for the day. Yes. You like your coffee with a little bit of cream. I do. You ever tried it just black? No. It's a it's a whole other experience. Disgusting. I'm I'm someone who prides myself on drinking coffee just straight black, and every once in a while though I have to uh, just throw a little cream in there just to make things a little better. It's almost just like scorched earth. Black coffee by itself is an acquired taste. Gross. Well, terrible. It's, but it is an acquired taste. So I'm glad that you got your cup of coffee with you this morning. It is early November, folks. And what that means is this is the first of a series of episodes this month where I will be talking with a new co host. Her name is Crystal Brown. Crystal's a good friend of mine. She's a wife, she is a mother of two. Um, she's extremely friendly and bubbly. And I just love the way that she looks at the world. And that's why I want her to be on uh, in these episodes to interact with the different pieces of content that we'll be going through. So just wanted to update you guys on kind of how things are gonna go. This first episode is part one of my conversation with a man named Daniel Ritchie. Daniel, I met um, last year, really, really great guy. Uh, Daniel, I believe is from North Carolina. And um, Daniel was born without any arms, and he has had to overcome many things in his life. And when I talked with him, I was fascinated not only by how he looks at the world, how he responds to what other people would look at as a limitation, and he's a very, very interesting guy. He's also a husband and a father, public speaker, And I just really, really enjoyed my conversation with Daniel. You should check out our YouTube channel because we post clips every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can see some of the conversations that Daniel and I had. Um, Really, really interesting stuff. I was very grateful uh, that he was on the podcast. So we're actually pulling up to school, so we're going to make this a super short one. But I wanted to point out that last night I looked down on the ground and I noticed that my, my beautiful wife, Cheryl, and my lovely daughter, Aubrey, <laughs> were both wearing the exact same shirt 
in the exact same pants, and you were both stretching. They weren't the exact same. They just looked similar. Yeah. Well, I thought it was pretty funny, and it was kind of almost like a Gilmore Girls moment for me. <laughs> but um, You're doing yoga. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do this. What What is it you love about your mom? Can you talk about that for a second? She's like... Okay, she won't say that I'm her best friend because anytime I say that, she's like, no, I'm your mom. But, like, she's, like, my best friend. <laughs> like, I'll, like, tell her about everything that's happening at school and, like, you know, like, yeah. And then she's really funny and she <laughs> loves to laugh and she loves to laugh at her own jokes. Yeah. Which is something I love to do. And so it's just, like, we're very similar and so... Yeah. <laughs> you, you are extremely similar. What are some things that you've learned from her over the years? Um, I don't know how to, like, put this into words. I guess she's just shown me, like, courage and strength. Yeah. Because mom does not, like, change. It's, like, her least favorite thing on the planet. And, like, this year, that's all we went through was change. Yeah. But she ne it never looked like it frazzled her or scared her like if I hated change as much as I know she does and I went through this year I definitely would not have been so like calm and graceful about it like she was let's let our audience know what were some of the changes that happened this year you got a new job mm -hmm. she switched schools she was working at mm -hmm. both of us had career transitions yeah um Jacob got married yep Zach graduated I went to college. Yeah, I went to a competitive dance team. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everyone had a change. Yeah, that's except true. Except for pugs. Except for the dog. <laughs> he gets to ride along with us. Our audience doesn't know that, but oh, yeah. uh, he's, he's the in one in the backseat. Back <laughs> um, yeah, so through all of that, knowing that uh, your mom does not like to deal with change, she showed you, cur did you say courage and strength? Yes. What were some of the ways that she modeled that? Was it the things she said, the things she did? Like, what? how did she present that to you? I guess she just, like, whenever we would be talking about, like, everything that was happening, she was always just, like, like, a lot of times I heard her be, like, God's doing stuff with us this year, or, like, she always just kind of turned it back to, like, this is God's plan, this is fun for it. Like, it, it never seemed like... Why are we going through all of this? It was always like, this is a good thing for us. Hmm. Yeah. Well, she does <clears throat> She does an awful lot of quiet, courageous living. She doesn't, she's not, I'm much more of a verbal speaker, right? I try to communicate uh, a lot of things to you all. Your mom, a lot of it is modeled. She just, she quietly lives out that kind of stuff yeah. really, really well for you all. And she doesn't just teach that to you. She teaches that to me, too, to, just so you know. But, um, yeah, she is definitely a, a strong woman, and I love how much you all are alike. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, even though I do feel ganged up on right now by the two of you in our house. But, it's uh, kind of tough. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's just how it is. It's all good. But uh, we're just about here at school, so it's about time to let you off. And then i got to probably stop at McDonald's or something and go pee because I drank too much water earlier. <laughs> But that was extra information that you don't need to know. And so I hope you have a good day. Thank you. All right. You want to say goodbye to everyone? Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, audience from Aubrey. She's got to go to school now. 
So let's go ahead and jump into our content. This episode, once again, is going to be the first episode for the month of November with Daniel Ritchie. Daniel, once again, is a public speaker. He is a husband. He is a father. He's a super interesting guy. I really enjoyed my conversations with him, and today is part one of that conversation, where I will have my co-host, Crystal Brown, and Crystal and I will be talking about parenting, and we will be watching the conversation that I have with Daniel Ritchie. So I hope you all enjoy it. I am joined in this episode by my friend, Crystal Brown. Crystal is one of my co-hosts. Crystal, how are you doing? Hey, David. I'm great today. How are you? I'm wonderful. Um, I have begun to have co-hosts on the podcast with me. Mm-hmm. I've got some dads. I've got some moms. Um, you're someone who I respect and appreciate and, and handpicked you on purpose. But before we talk more about that, I thought it'd be nice just for you to kind of tell our audience a little bit about your family. Sure. I have been married to my husband, Nate, for 13 years. Yep. We just had an anniversary, 13 years. We have two daughters, an 11 and a half year old and one who's almost eight. Um, they're lots of fun. Mm-hmm. They're trying sometimes as we reach those teen are, years. Are you being diplomatic right now? <laughs> Maybe. It's been a really, it's been a good day. Other, I was up with one of them until two in the morning. They woke oh. up when I was going to sleep. Yeah, I slept. Well, you look spry. You look like you're ready <laughs> to go. I actually slept in a little bit and they are, this is a good thing. They're old enough now that we woke up this weekend and they, I was like, oh, they must still be asleep. They'd been up for an hour just hanging out together quietly. Really? So that's a fun, yeah. I remember in the toddler years thinking, Forever, I would be, you know, yeah, yeah, awake early. But I have two two little girls. Um, we teach them at home. We homeschool them. We have lots of fun adventures together. Like to travel. Like to do outdoor things. How would you yeah. describe your husband Nate of thirteen years to my audience? Let's start with the color of his hair and his yeah, beard and the whatnot. He's a redhead. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's my favorite. I love. I love. Yeah, his temperament. He is fun and creative and. Um, not a people pleaser. Yeah, we balance in that way. Um, he stretches me. He, yeah, he's he's a hard worker. He's got a lot of passion for his his job, but then he's always looking for extracurricular things. Um, yeah, he's he's fun. He's a great dad, a great husband. So when you say you've been married thirteen years and he's a great dad and great husband, I assume that you mean that you all are thriving and not surviving not for all 13 yes not for all okay a little yeah. honesty there yeah <laughs> we don't we, we don't have to sideline into all of those details but right. i appreciate your honesty on that and so yes. nate and you are uh, very important to us we we think you are wonderful as a family you're good friends um i enjoy hanging out with your husband quite a bit we mm-hmm. go kayaking together we have similar kinds of interests of get, just getting out there and hiking yeah. and, and doing things. In fact, on Father's Day, we ran into each other an hour uh-huh. and a half down the road at the dam, putting in our kayak. And I was yes. like, what's up, Nate? <laughs> um, but uh, you all are important to us uh, for many reasons. The, one of the most recent ones is you all photographed my son Jacob's wedding. Right. Yeah, that was fun. We have 490 pictures Awesome. Crystal, they're oh, fantastic. So Yay. It was fun to watch how you all interact and do that. Mm-hmm. And I even remember some of those moments where, you know, we got to be efficient, clock's uh-huh. ticking, uh-huh. 50 different family combos We're on the, the stage. stage. Yep. And uh, man, you handled it like a, like a pro, like a gentle pro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> do you get compliments on how you all? It is 
I think people do appreciate it. I don't know that we've gotten as many compliments in that particular setting, but just in general for a relaxed kind of vibe. Like people, you know, sometimes it looks like wedding pictures feel very like forced and yep. didn't have any fun. And I feel like Nate sets a tone for the, usually the groomsmen photos are first and they usually take way longer than I assume they will because they all of a sudden relax and have all these poses. And I usually have the clipboard and the checklist and I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, the bride's family's out here. Like, let's move along. But yeah, I feel like we're a good team in that we balance. You all have photographed memories at checkpoints of my children's life oh. from Zachary's graduation mm -hmm. to Jacob and Darren's engagement pictures mm -hmm to uh, the wedding the stuff wedding. now. And yeah. I sure do appreciate that uh, about you all. And, you know, I definitely want to have a mother's perspective mm -hmm. on this podcast represented. Um, and you're not the first one to be on here, but um, I do want to be able to have someone who is commenting and responding to this content that's not just dads. Because what I've found from people like you who right. listened right. to season one, mm -hmm. it's not just applicable to dads. Mm -hmm. Some of it is very much about parenting and relationships. And so this season, I've made a very determined effort to kind of blow out those boundaries yep. and have something that's not just for distinct dads, but for parents in general. And of course, I'm doing different kinds of things this season. It's not right. just the interview. Now right. I also am doing the dad ride along in the car and the kayak talk and right. all that kind of stuff. But um, it means an awful lot to me that you were willing to do this. Oh yeah, I, I think it's great because you're right. It does, it, you know, it is about dads, and but every dad has a whole circle of people around him that it affects. And whether he's married or not married, you know, whatever his relationship is with his kids, you can hear his story. Yes. You know, you can relate to it in some way. You can see some things that you want to learn from. You can see some things that go, oh, that didn't work out so well for him or his dad or whatever. So even I've learned things. I've put things into practice with my kids. It made me appreciate Nate, you know, in a different way or see some some giftings that he has that maybe I wasn't paying attention to before and going, oh, I, wow, I appreciate that. I didn't know that might not be there, you know? I think that the content that we're going to be talking about today is also something that's not specific to just dads. In fact, uh, the conversation uh, that we're featuring in this episode um, is with a man named Daniel Ritchie. So Daniel Ritchie was born without arms. Okay. Um, he's a nationally known speaker. He's, he's an author. He has a book uh, out that is called My Affliction for His Glory. And um, I was referred to him by a friend. And so I connected with him at his hotel room after he had cool. gotten done speaking uh, at an event that was, you know, 20, 30 minutes away from me. Okay. And so we grabbed it when we could. I've been holding nice. this one for a while. But Daniel, to me, is such an inspiring story for not just dads, mm -hmm. not just moms, not just parents. He has an amazing story about overcoming, mm -hmm. but he applies so much of it to being a father. Cool. Um, so I am very much excited to share that not only with you, but with the rest of our audience today. Yes. And um, I was really honored just to spend even a short amount of time with him. And I think his story is going to be not just touching, but it's going to stick. I think it's going to get stuck in the heart uh, for dads, for moms, for parents, for everyone. 
Awesome. Um, so, and you haven't seen this, so you're going to uh -uh. get to see this fresh yep. for the first time. Very cool. Well, without further ado, this is my conversation with Daniel Ritchie. Daniel, thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm excited. I'm really glad that I get a chance to hang out with you. You just finished speaking. Yeah. We're at your hotel. Yep. And uh, tell our audience kind of what you came and spoke about. Yes. Yeah, so I had a chance to speak on why does suffering exist and, and how can we suffer well? Um, so just used, used a little bit of my story of being born without arms and just uh, just the trial and the hurt that came through that. And just, man, the, the hope that I've seen even in the midst of, I think, rough circumstances. And you're still awake. Like we can actually Barely. have a conversation after you walk off the stage. Yes, yes. Not I, everyone can pull that and off. Th and that was after a 5.15 wake-up call. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Well, I am super jazzed to have you on. Yeah, um, man. We got connected through my buddy, Jason. Yes. And um, when he told me about your story, I definitely wanted to dig in on your background. And I want to hear about uh, you as a child and mm -hmm. your dad. Um, so let's just jump right in on all of that. And yeah. then we'll kind of just let the, uh, the story unfold a bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I think especially my dad's role in my life was literally like moment one, um, just because you know, I was, I was born without arms and no, nobody knew, nobody knew it was coming. And, um, like mom had healthy pregnancy. Mom had two ultrasounds, you know, my, my parents just thought they were going to have this healthy baby boy. And so when I was born, that's, that's when everybody found out that I didn't have arms. And then to, to top everything else off when I was born, I wasn't breathing. And, mm -hmm. um, the doctor, doctor looked me over and he, um, he, he sort of turned to my dad and, and he dipped me to where my dad could see that um, I didn't have arms. And, and he said, he's, he's not breathing. Do you want us to let him go? And, um, you know, in that moment, it's like, you know, I sit here as a daddy now and go, man, in, 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 in one sort of frame, it's like, no, that's my kid. But in another sort of frame, it's like, what in the world? Am, am I about to sign up for, you know? And, and I just, I can't help but think of like the fear that, that went through my dad's, my dad's heart. And, but I mean, in that moment, he's like, that's, that's my boy. You do whatever it takes to, to bring him back. And so they rushed me out and, and my dad, my dad looks at my mom and my mom in, in that moment, doesn't see me, doesn't hold me, doesn't touch me, hmm. nothing. And, um, and so he has to go over there. She, she doesn't even know I don't have arms. And, uh, and, and, there, and th this is a complete surprise to both your mom and your dad. Yeah, to house. to everybody, okay. to the doctors, to yeah. parents, and um, and so he walks over to my mom and tells her, you know, our our son doesn't have arms. Mm -hmm. Our son, he might he might be dead, you know. Um, and so he just he just grabbed my mom by the hand and he's like, man, let's let's pray. You know that that that's all he could think of to do in the in that moment and. Man, just a just a few minutes later, doctors bring me back in, and I'm I'm alive and kicking and screaming, and um, but it was crazy though, cause I mean it literally didn't stop for them because it was like it couldn't have been 15, 20 minutes, and doctors start coming in, they want to check me out, you know, um, and they're looking at me and they're going, man, this kid, like they're they're literally looking my parents in the face, going, this kid's probably never gonna write. Probably never going to feed himself, never going to be fully independent, never going to graduate high school. And, and I think in, 
it, it's it's unbelievable to think that like 30 years ago was still the thinking that the doctors looking my parents in the face going, you should probably give this kid up for adoption because you're going to be in over your skis, you know? And, and again, like, they're like, no, this, this is our boy. And, and so I think for, especially my dad to go from, cause my, my dad's super laid back guy, like, um, just, just doesn't get wound up about much, but man, in that moment, he was just like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to war for this kid. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm. do whatever it takes. And, and I think that, um, man, that's that sort of attitude is is something that he carried through from from moment one uh, of my life. It really even until now. And before we hit record, yeah, you were telling me that your dad is atyp- atypical. You, yeah, you find him to be kind of atypical. Yeah, yeah, Get yeah. Into yeah. That just a little bit more what that means. Yeah. So I, I know he went to war for you. Yeah. But unpack that just a little. But bit. but you know it, it's, it's just so interesting because my dad is natural introvert, mm-hmm. um, very laid back. Doesn't doesn't really he doesn't interact with people very much. Which is not to say he's like antisocial, but it's just it's not how he rolls. And, and, and so he he's just. And and even in in our relationship, you know, father to son, it's never been extraordinarily like, hey, let's let's hang out and shoot the breeze. That's just it's just not him. Yeah. Um, but I think to see like all through my life, he was always that guy that was just like, man, whatever we got to do, I'm I'm all in. And and you know, he he did that because I mean, there were times when, you know, first second grade, we're trying to figure out like how in the world is he going to like write at a desk? Cause like my biggest thing was, you know, when I, when I first started, it was, you know, the chair that slides under, you know, the little desk. And so I tried to write literally with like my feet up on a desk. And what started happening was my hamstrings would cramp up in, in mm. 15, 20 minutes. And so he cut the legs off the desk and put like little rubber bumpers on the bottom. So that way the, the desk could be, the desk could be parallel with my hips. And he was literally all through my life has always been willing to do whatever it took, man, to just, to just serve me and get where I needed. And I, and I think that that, that sort of legacy and impact in my life is something that I mean, man, I've, I've carried through all the way into adulthood. Hmm. It's interesting that the first question about your life from the moment that your dad sees you is a question about whether or not you should remain. Right. Now, before he sees you during the pregnancy, who knows what kind of questions about your life were on the table, Yeah. right? Yeah. But for him to be hit with that right out of the gate, hmm. do you want him to stay here? Do you, yeah. do, does he need to go away? Yeah. I can't, for the life of me, imagine what that would feel like to even be asked that in the beginning mm. moments of fatherhood. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, you know, he, uh, <laughs> him just being the, the, the laid back redneck that I know him as like, he'll, he'll tell the story now and you can, <laughs> you can picture him in his rocker and he's like, man, I tell you what, if he hadn't have been holding you in his arms, I would have punched him in the face. <laughs> like, you know, it just, it, I mean, it honestly pissed him off. He's yeah. like, that's that's my kid. Like, why why are you gonna say he's not he's not worth it? He shouldn't he shouldn't be here. And um, you know, I, I think again, it was almost like it was sort of just this righteous anger. Like, hmm. man, I, I I think that that moment really did light a fire under him, and, and I and I think spurred him on in a, in a lot of 
pretty pretty cool ways. You mentioned that he immediately started thinking of just practical things that he could shift around and change to be able to help you functionally. Yeah. So what were just some other things in your early childhood years that either they have told you about since or that you remember that they were very willing to try to modify? One of the first questions people almost always ask me, bro, how do you get dressed? You know, and, and, and typically, um, I I use, I use my feet. I use it almost for everything, but you know, there are times when, when pants can be a little problematic. And so my dad, uh, just, I think being, being the engineer type in, in mind, he figured out it's literally almost just like a stick with a, with a little hook at, at the end. And I'd put the stick in my teeth and I could use the hook to like pull up my pants, like right, right when they get up to my hips. And that was like one of the ways that just, uh, I mean, instantly it, it, it allowed me to be fully independent, it allowed me to go on, you know, youth group trips and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I remember in middle school, uh, I, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, man, I, I want to be able to like to eat lunch with my friends and to like something so simple, but I, I want to be able to carry my own dang lunch from like the lunch line right. to the table. Yeah. And so my dad literally made, um, I guess the best way to explain it is just this wooden tray that had uh, leather straps that went to either end of the tray. And I would, I would thread my neck uh, underneath the strap. And so that way I could, I could carry my food to the table and the lunch ladies could just put it, put it down on the tray. I could, you know, take it there. And, you know, my dad made that entire like rig, uh, you know, just to, just to help me out, just to help me with something so simple as, you know, taking, taking my food to the lunch table once a day at school. And so, you know, he would, he would always do things like that. He would always try to, I think, just give me opportunities to be as normal of his, uh, of a kid as I could be. When I started reading up on you, yeah, the first thing that stood out to me was some opening statements on your website where you mentioned that in your childhood that it was put upon you multiple times over that you could be perceived as a hopeless mistake. Hmm. Hmm. That is, that's a very striking thing for any human to come into contact with about their own value as a dad there was something that resonated in that for me yeah. of past fears, internal fears uh, that I might have about my involvement with my kid's life, Yeah, what I can contribute to them. There was something that really resonated with that. And then it also went on to say that you could very well be insufficient to live a full life. Yeah, yeah. Unpack a little bit for me some of those statements, where those things were coming from, how often you heard it, anything that you'd want to say about that. But I want to really talk about that part of your childhood as you're growing up in the world, seeing that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so those those statements were all made by like doctors, like pediatricians, wow. ortho, orthopedic specialists, like wow. – um, you know, it was, it, I mean, it ran the gamut. Like he'll never graduate high school. He'll never write. He'll never, um, do all of these things. And so it was just, it, these professional opinions that, that I think my parents were given from, I, I mean, literally some of their statements were uttered in the delivery room. Um, you know, when I was born to getting, getting later on in life, hearing, you know, the opinions of pediatricians, stuff like that, that just, 
man, we don't, we don't know how this, how this kid is, kid is going to work out. And, and so I, I think that, that for me personally, it was, it was destructive. It was, it was something, you know, I'll always tell people that that was the backdrop of my life that I feel like I was running from for the first 15 years of my life is just feeling like I'm not like everybody else. I'm, I feel like I'm running uphill in sand every day of my life. Mm. Um, it, it was just kind of, I, I really feel like I had the deck stacked against me. Yeah. And, and the world, you know, cause man, just being armless, you just stick out like a sore thumb. And so it was just, it just, it would bring those thoughts back to the surface. Every time I go out in public, every time I go, you know, with my dad to, to get breakfast on a Saturday morning, it mm -hmm. was always just like, I'm a freak and this mm. sucks. And, mm. uh, and so it was just, it, it was really just a constant drumbeat in my life for probably, probably the first 15 years of my life was just, I'm a freak. I'm a mistake. I'm, I'm an oddball. Did you try to confront that or were you just trying to survive? Were you in just in survival mode or did, what, did that like increase your resolve? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. how far did that go for you? It, you know, it really was a roller coaster. Like I, I think probably, you know, late elementary school, like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm going to succeed. And, yeah. and then you, you know, how many of us, man, we get in, we get into middle school and, and you're trying to, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find your worth. And, and I started looking around going, no, nah, I'm, I suck. Mm. Like I'm, I'm damaged goods. And, and it really from, from probably 13 to 15, it, it got about as dark as it could get. Like, I, my life isn't worth it. This this isn't going away. This isn't getting better. Um, I, I I was just I, I I was truly at at my wits end. I think in so many ways because I just I felt like there was no way to redeem any sort of value in in the midst of just that that sort of scale and scope of how different and and how how jacked up I felt like I was. Yeah. And it was just, man, it, it was something that, that haunted me. I think every single day during, during that time period. Yeah. You did mention that one of the things that was said about you was he'll never write. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great opportunity for me to plug something that I want to plug for you. Yeah. So this is your first book. Yes. I, first, because I, I guarantee this won't be the last one. So no, no, definitely this is your not. first book. This is called my affliction for his glory. Yeah. And so how did this come about? Talk just a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So, uh, gosh, I, I'm sitting here as a, as a boy from North Carolina, like I can barely spell. And, and so I know I never, th <laughs> I never thought, man, that, that, that I would like, I would write a book until I was, I was retired and didn't have yeah. anything else better to do. And, um, that's when all the great books are written. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and man, I had, I had so many friends that were just like, dude, you, you got a story that you need to tell. You got a story you need to, you need to share with the world and you just need to suck it up and throw it out there. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll write it. And, and so I did, I, you know, it was just my goal to, um, I think share my story, but then to just share the, the big lessons in life that, that God taught me along the way. And, and I mean, one of them is fatherhood like that, you know, huh. there's, there's a whole chapter in my book on just, um, for me, what it meant to be a dad, but then even the book starts off. I mean, page one of the book is is that scene in the delivery room. 
Mm. Just, just my dad's, I think my dad's boldness Mm -hmm. is really, I think one of those bookends to my life that it's just like, that's, that's something I can't shake. That's, that's something that's always going to be a part of my story. And it's always going to be such a, such a seminal moment for me is, is to, I think, fly in the face of, uh, of just frustration to fly in the face of, uh, of obstacles and to just go, you know what, man, let's, let's, let's embrace this, let's attack this. And, and so I think that, um, you know, it's just, it's just an inescapable part of my story. And so yeah. that, that was, that, that was a pretty easy, easy, uh, launching off point for the book, but yeah, man, it's just, uh, it's really the story of my life and just kind of what w- the, the seeds that got us sown in my, in my story and in my heart all along the way. When I watched your book trailer, mm-hmm. I was noticing, uh, a heavy emphasis on the things that you do with your feet that are often assumed will be done with your hands. Yeah. You, uh, are someone who chose to be resourceful. Right. And um, so if you could just talk even a little bit about that, I would really appreciate yeah. that for our audience. Yeah. And, cool. and so, you know, people ask me all the time how, how, how I do a thousand different things. And, and and just to your point, it's like, man, whatever people do with their hands, I do with my feet. And and uh, that, that plays over driving a car, changing diapers, cooking food. But there are some things where they're just there. Literally, is no good replacement for a wrist, for a thumb, uh, like grabbing anything round, uh, yeah. any any sort of twisting motion, like opening doors, stuff like that. Like, it's incredibly difficult to do. And um, and one of the one of the biggest things for me, I think, especially growing up, was being able to watch how people did things, to watch how people wrote, to watch how people open doors, open jars of pickles, you know, stuff like that. And to try to figure out, okay, I know I can't do that, Mm. but how do I get the end result? And and to, because there really were times where it was just like, especially writing was trial and error. Like even even trying to figure out how in the crap can I take a crayon and put it in between my toes and and to, to write. But then it was also not not just to write, but to literally to make my muscles not cramp up ten minutes in, and, right. and to and to build build it up, build it up to make to make my legs do things that legs don't do in everybody else, and um, and, and so I think that's sort of that's sort of trial and error, that sort of man, how can I do the same thing that other people do? even when I don't have the same goods. And, and I think for for us as dads, for us as men, like there's some of us, like we are just not touchy-feely type people. Yeah. But how do we let our know, how, how do we let like our daughter know we truly love them? Right, uh, right. You know, that, that, or how do we, you know, how do we encourage our kids? Like when, when we're just the suck it up type, mm-hmm. like, Dust, dust yourself off and, and go to work. And, and and so for us, sometimes there has to be, I don't, I don't have the goods to do this, mm-hmm. but I see the target on the wall mm-hmm. and I've I've got to figure out a way how to get there, just you know, in, in terms of who I am and 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 what I what I have to bring to the table. And so I, I think for some of us as dads, it isn't I've got to replicate the same process as I see in like TV dads and, and these guys in the book, right. but I see a target on the wall and how do I get there with what I got? And, and I think there has to be that resiliency, that sort of willingness to go, am I willing to find my way around in the dark at times and strike out at times to get where I know I need to be? And, and that's, that's sort of what's that, that's what got me from, you know, 
writing and, and opening doors and all these other things. And I, and I think it's a lesson that, man, it carries over in, in so many other aspects of manhood and fatherhood. Mm. Seeing the target on the wall. Yeah, absolutely. I really, really like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Before I get away from the book, yeah. let's let our audience know where they can find it. So it's called My Affliction for His Glory, Yeah, right? Yeah. So where can people find the book? Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, I think Target Online has it, Christian Book Distributors. So it's 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 all over the internet, man. So you should, should be able to track it down pretty easy. Fantastic. Well, I hope everyone gets a copy of this. Um, super, super grateful for you sharing that, putting it yeah. in this particular form. Um, tell me a little bit about your dad, what you would want to let him know. Yeah. I think it's a good opportunity yeah. to do that. Man, um, I think one of the biggest things is he just, he believed in me even when it cost him, you know, like mm-hmm. he, uh, he was, uh, he was a trucker. And, um, and, and so there was a lot of times, especially in my childhood, like he'd, he'd leave on Sunday. He wouldn't come back till Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would come back Thursday night and there would be times where he would have like these projects. He'd need to make like that tray for me to carry lunch or he would need to show up at school to, um, to help make modifications to a desk or to a stool. And I never heard him complain about it once. Mm. Like he, he knew what I needed and he made no bones about it. He was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm his dad. And, and so I think to your point, it wasn't like nobody look at my dad and go, man, that's some spectacular fatherhood right there. Mm-hmm. He, he busted his butt. Um, not, not only to, you know, to provide and to be on the road and to do all these things, but he came home and then he was all in. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't, he wasn't checked out. He, he worked his butt off to make sure I, I had, I physically, had what I needed just to, just to exist. Mm. And, and I, and I think that that was something that it, it can be, it can be so easily overlooked, but, it, but something, something for me, I'm like, man, I don't, I don't survive, you know, elementary school, middle school. Uh, I think apart from just his, his ingenuity, his hard work. To the outside person, it may not look like that's some spectacular fatherhood right there. Yeah. Was it for you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like it was, you know, it, it was, it was bigger than, than hugs and bedtime stories and all that other stuff. It was just like this, you know, all along the way, my dad, he, he left like these tangible, um, really evidences of his love for me, of, of his man desire to see me, uh, I think defy these expectations that 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 these doctors had that I was going to be a screw up and that I was going to be a failure and um, he he almost left these little tang- tangible monuments in my life of like heck you're going to be that like you're you're bigger than this and so I I think that those were those were reminders for me that I, I'm not fighting this journey alone like he he's there with me he's going to war with me and and it really uh, I think spurred me on in those times when when frustration came yeah so for dads out there who are engaged in dad matters that's a very proper distinction that I want to make for them mm. that it's not really important what the perception of the world is about them or yeah. even sometimes the stuff that floats in their own heads what really matters is how their kids perceive how they are in their life. Yeah. And for you, 
it was spectacular fatherhood. Yeah, yeah. Despite what it may have looked like to someone else. Right. For you, that's that's what really mattered for him mm. was how you perceived it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's super cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, man. I don't think I've asked you too much about your wife. She's freaking gorgeous. Like she has <laughs> she has no business being with a bald, armless man. And um, But met her and I was just like, I, I remember meeting her and going, I am crazy about this chick. Yeah. And she remembers me and me going, he's a really nice guy, but that, you know, there, there was no fireworks, but, uh, but man just slowly built a relationship. And, um, well, I say slowly, we, we met and, and we married. And I think like, uh, what was it? 12 months, you know? So we, we knew what we wanted and, yeah. uh, and, and it worked out, but man, she, she really just is, she's, um, she she's my my helper she's my friend Mm -hmm. she's um i think just my creative and emotional balance um in a lot of ways man and i you know i I really i really couldn't picture the past 12 years apart from having her in my life yeah well, fireworks or no, you won. <laughs> yes, you got yes, so absolutely, you, you absolutely. Uh, and she's obviously a supportive spouse who goes, I believe in what you're doing. Keep getting the word out. Like, that's a big deal. She, yeah, man. I mean, she she believes in it so much that she's at home in North Carolina with two kids and a dog that just had surgery. So, like, she's a... She really she, loves you. She's a, she's a warrior, man. I'm like, baby, I'm I'm really sorry. I think I, I, think I owe you a massager 10 yeah. when, when I get when I get back home. You start every conversation with I'm sorry. Yes. I will be home soon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. She she she's she was telling me on the on the phone today, you better get a flight out of Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Time to take the red eye down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. So that wraps up the first episode of the month of November. Thank you for joining us listening to part one of my conversation with Daniel Ritchie, as well as my co-host, Crystal Brown, and my lovely daughter, Aubrey. Aubrey, (laughs) thanks for being with me. Of course. I always enjoy our conversations. Me too. I'm not going to say what it was, but yesterday, out of the blue, you sent me this really nice text Uh of gratitude about our time that we have together in the mornings. Yeah. That meant a lot to me. (laughs) I'm glad. I want you to know that. Thank you very much. So parents, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Hope you got a lot out of it. And until next time, tell them, Aubrey. Put down your phone and hug your kids. Bye. Dad Matters with David Wilkinson is part of the Mana 3 Media Network. It is produced and hosted by me, David Wilkinson. It's co-edited and mixed by Josh Myers. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Dad Matters wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, as well as on our YouTube channel. Just search Dad Matters with David Wilkinson. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dad Matters Pod and get other updates at Mana 3 Media. That's M A N A, the number three media. New Dad Matters podcast episodes drop on Wednesdays weekly, so join us for the next one.